Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I started giving on that level so that God would owe me. Whatever you do right now, don't you stop tithing. Harvest responds only to seed, not to prayer. This is not about material wealth. This is about God in his providence, orchestrating all of history in order to bring about that which we need more than anything else. And that is to be rescued from God. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let the marathon begin. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly tall Friel. The is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio, the first day of an entire week of mailbag. Why? Because your questions help. I'm telling you, your questions help. Because your issues are usually similar to others' issues. Your questions, whatever it is that you're seeing or dealing with on a church level, so often they are the issues of many, many people. So please know when you do send a question, comment, conundrum, snark to idea at wretched.org, a lot of people are identifying with you and that is a blessing. So thank you for sending stuff to idea at wretched.org. Please note next week, we are dedicating the entire week to mailbag. So Jimmy... Yes. Let the marathon begin. All right. Well, we're going to kick it off with Anonymous, who wrote in and said, Todd, uh, should uh, American Christians be pr- uh, prominently and publicly affiliated with any one political party? Or should we remain as objective biblical voters that reject committing to a party's platform? There's a lot loaded in that. First of all, We take a look at the party options. We try to align ourselves with the one that will do the least damage. (laughs) That's kind of what we're looking at. Did you see the tweets from Ann Coulter? Jimmy, I remember Ann Coulter was doing a tour of churches a number of years ago. She appeared at a, a big church in the northern suburbs of Atlanta, and it was all about politics and winning the election and Ann Coulter, you raw. Looks like she's willing to just say bye-bye to abortion laws because it's a losing issue. What do you know? So we take a look at the parties. We take a look at the person who aligns the most with biblical values, starting with litmus test issues. I think there's definitely two, possibly a third, but it's... Possibly not. The first, of course, would be life. Second would be marriage, genders, all of that business. Third might be religious liberties. We're going to need those. We used to have them. It was really cool back then. Just ask your grandparents about it. So we try to align ourselves or find the politician that is most in alignment with our values, plug our nose, and vote. If I can't even imagine at this point that could be a Democrat because here's the problem. Even if you you find yourself a pro-life Democrat, all of the votes that they're involved in, 
I, they're just not good for families. They're just not good for people. And so I, I, you just, you just, you have to study the individual as best you can, make the decision. But that's begging the question about whether we should be publicly identified with a particular party. Look, I, I, there, there can't be a blanket one size fits all. Because there could be some Christians who desire to go into politics. And we say, salute, hats off to you, please be a godly ruler. We love that and we cheer that. Now, having said that, when that individual runs openly as a Christian, we just have to recognize that has implications that you need to know. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying we, we want to be aware that the world sees a Christian being overtly Christian running for a political office, and they conflate the two. And I've seen it. You've seen it. It's palpable. Their hatred for conservative political values, social, moral values is so great. If you do publicly align yourself with the party that at least exemplifies those values better than the other side, they hate you and they're going to hate the God that you represent. It's tricky. We cannot say that you cannot run for office. We can't say that you can't let your coworkers know you're an elephant. That's, you can't say that. But we do need to be aware in our current culture. The division is so great politically that it, I believe it puts up an obstacle for people to see Jesus. And you say, well, that's too bad. We, we've got to fight for justice. I'm not saying that. And that's why I think we see so much acrimony on this subject. That's the last thing that I would want to contribute to. That we, How we engage in politics. There is a broad bandwidth in God's economy for how we go about the business of actually doing something they didn't get to do in the first century. And that is participate in the political process. Do it. Just be really, really wise about it. And if there's one principle that will guide your public affirmation of a politician or party, let it be, I want them to be elected by God more than I want to win an election. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I wrote that line right there. It's tweetable. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This next one is from Mabel. Todd, I am 25 years old. I have only dated two Christian guys in my life. Broke things off because I didn't think we were going in the same direction. We didn't have the same desire to know God better. So my question is, should I compromise no. on wanting someone who wants to go out, witness at college campuses, go to abortion clinics to convince women out of abortion, and donating to charities we both like, and doing a Bible study together? Well, that's a lot. Right. Now, some of those things, doing a Bible study together, if you're dating somebody and they don't want to study the Bible together, you got really foundational problems, big, big ones. These, these, are, these are big issues. Because it's an indicator that somebody is not panting after the Lord. And you want that in a spouse. You're not going to get perfect. But if you've got a guy or a gal that loves the Lord and wants to grow in godliness, you got a winner. <laughs> it's like you check that box. You can probably work out pretty much everything else without being equally yoked in that regard. You're just you're just looking for danger. So don't compromise. Please note that list, though. It included some preferential ministries. 
We've got to be careful about this. Remember, God works on different people at different times. Mrs. Friel was way ahead of me in the pro-life issue. I hadn't even thought about it. I, I just, it just, you know, boing, ding, didn't think about it. She brought it to mind. It's like, whoa. Now, if she had taken a look at me and got, well, he's not interested in the pro-life thing. Well, we would have been in trouble or not married. But she just taught. I learned, got on board and off we went. And you can do that with preferential ministry issues. How you serve in the church. You love being in the nursery. Your husband doesn't. Don't make him. Have him participate in what's his passion. I was just thinking about this the other day. How the body in the church, we've got to be so careful that we don't make our thing somebody else's thing and vice versa. Because if we were all doing the one thing, just think about all the things that wouldn't be getting done. There are so many Christian ministries that do stuff. And you you know, you can decide for yourself how impactful they are or aren't, but they're they're trying and they're trying to help people and they're trying to preach the gospel in some way, shape, or form. And if they weren't doing every if we were okay, this will sound like, whoa, what are you turning into Ann Coulter? If we were all did nothing but work on the pro-life issue, that's it. Well, what about the marriage issue? Well, what about what about the sex trafficking issue? What about the children's ministry issue? What about the maintenance of the church facility issue? What about the Bible study issue? What about the biblical counseling issue? And what about what about feeding the neighbors issue? Clothing those who are naked issue? Sending missionaries overseas? Being a missionary over? No. You will all focus on the life issue. Now, look, I'm all about the life issue, but that it does not mean that that's the only issue. And we got to let the body be the body. And you've got to let your potential spouse pursue those things that are in his gifted wheelhouse, giftedness wheelhouse, or the just stuff that he prefers. The Lauda Lord allows for that in his brilliance so that a lot of stuff gets done. So here are the boxes. I think you should be checking. It shouldn't be ministry preferences. It should be a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's, that's what you want. That, that, that's non-compromisable. By the way, listen to Greg Gifford's podcast on this, dating. It's excellent. It will help you work through some of these issues. And you're going you're gonna to have to work through issues after that, that, that are just practical issues, issues like paedo-baptism, believer's baptism, etc. But you gotta, you got to have somebody who genuinely loves the Lord, who's regenerated, who desires to grow in godliness. I'm telling you, that covers a multitude of problems. And then after that, Jimmy, can you, what other boxes are mandatory? You, I mean, you, you probably, if it's somebody after God's own heart, they're probably not still addicted to pornography. Right. You, you can have socioeconomic issues, all overcomable. Preferential skip versus jiffy peanut butter, creamy versus crunchy, all overcomable. If you check the main box, they love the Lord. This is Wretched Radio. So you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. 
then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. Now, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you and it will empower you to help others too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's Court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Books of the Bible. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. It is a thorough, systematic presentation of the gospel. The two major themes are sin and righteousness. Sinners are counted righteous by imputation of Christ's righteousness. If you wish to understand the gospel, the clearest, most thorough explanation is in the book of Romans. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Salute! This is Wretched Radio. Salute to a Tennessee church in Maryville, Tennessee, with 150 churchgoers, give or take about 120 members, voting unanimously to leave the SBC over the female pastor ban, as they're calling it in the Christian Post. Salute to that church. You say, wait a second, that's a church that's gone off the rails. I grant you, it has done that, but it's not staying on the rails trying to drive everybody else off with them. I I actually applaud this. I appreciate this. Well, to, if, if you're choosing to go the liberal route, go. 
go do go go build liberal institutions, go build a liberal denomination. But please don't stay in a denomination. There are people who came before us. People have spent a lot of energy, sacrificed much, given money, sometimes given their lives because they believed it is the Bible that must control this organization. And along you come and say, boo, we're going to corrupt it. It's very disrespectful. It's very inconsiderate. Go, go do your liberal thing and leave us biblicists alone. This is Wretched Radio, hoping that you'll send stuff like this. I wouldn't have found it. To idea at wretched.org. All right. Uh, this next question comes from Christina. Todd, should Christians prioritize finding employment aligned with their faith or stay as salt and light in the workplace? In other words, should you only work at a place where, say, there's a Christian owner or right. a Christian employer? Right, right. And then, uh, Well, you can certainly pursue that if that's your heart's desire. It's probably, if you will, going to be a safer place spiritually. It doesn't mean that you're sinning if you're not in a workplace that isn't owned by Christians. You, we live in the world. If, if you... If the only the only reason I would say it would really be wise for you to find a faith based organization, whether it's for or nonprofit, would because because of the vulnerability that you have regarding your faith, then you might want to find that safe place. But otherwise, you can work anywhere that you want to. You can you can do anything that you want to that isn't a sin. I know that's getting harder these days, and we see a lot of boycotting, and we see a lot of calls for not going here, doing this and that. we got to live in this world. Let's not make the Roman Catholic medieval mistake of, of building monasteries. Let's not exercise the Benedict option. Let's live in the world. Let's go to be the greatest employee, be the best worker, be a light where you are. Now, having said that, there, let me see if I can find that. There was an people were debating, and apparently it got kind of testy online. Can you imagine that? Where people are debating. Here it is right here. I got it. The headline is from the American Reformer, Do It for the Kids. On the Blue State Exodus, a Twitter spat recently emerged over whether Christians should exit hostile blue states for the more favorable conditions of red states. I get that. It is a sort of tactical retreat. Oh, is it? It is a sort of tactical retreat or strategic withdrawal being argued by proponents of that maneuver. The physical and spiritual well-being of Christian families and children is the motivation most often cited in the face of policies and culture increasingly hostile to the family. Now, there's people saying you can't do that. You got to stay there. You got You've got to be salt and light there because if you abandon it, uh, then the, there won't be any light there. And your kids. They, they're just going to, ha- you're going to have to equip them and train them to go into the public institutions and be salt and light. Which side is right? And the answer, in my estimation, is an unequivocal, yep, fine. You want to exit? Go. You want to stay? That's your call. There is Christian liberty. If you want, nobody should make you feel guilty about it. And by the way, just I, I would say this stronger than just do what you want to. I'm I'm not sure. I wouldn't make a law, but I, I I'm just not sure that our kids are supposed to be that salt and that we throw them into such darkness that's downright dangerous. 
And, and, and we say that we are doing that for the sake of the gospel. Well, hold on. You got to do stuff for the sake of your kids. Critics inside that all. Christians, sorry. Let me put my glasses on. That might be a little bit helpful here. Christians insist. Well, inside insist. You in, some you usually insist inside. So once again, I wasn't wrong. Critics insist that all this is an abdication of the Great Commission and New Testament pilgrim people ethic. Uh, let me tell you, you're still a pilgrim in a red state. Trust me. Been in both. Instead, we pilgrims in the wilderness must not abandon our post for these reasons. Christians are supposed to be missionaries. Yeah, there's unsaved people in red states. I know. There's lots of them. I talk to them all day. Consolidation of Christian people and interests along political demographic lines would grossly violate this imperative and prioritize the temporal over the spiritual. Really? What verse says that? How do, how do we come up with that application? What about what about the pilgrims? You know, we love the pilgrims coming to America. Do we know why? They fled. They didn't want to be there. They didn't want to have to deal with the church-state issue. We see Paul fleeing. It was dangerous. In that instance, physically dangerous. There's liberty in this. Divide over this. Really? Real? I mean, wow. Really? Hey, Jimmy. Yes. When you have grandkids, uh-huh. what kind of diapers are you going to endorse? Cloth or disposable? <laughs> I've not thought about Just that. Just pick it. Disposable. That's it. You are a bad Christian. I know. You it. can't do you're buying into the green movement. Or something. <laughs> no, that, that would be the Whatever. opposite. I don't know. It doesn't make any <laughs> the point is really? Really? Liberty. There's there's genuine things that we can divide over. This would not be one of them. Don't let anybody make you feel guilty if they're trying to. You know, I was thinking about Jude, not as in hey. I was thinking about the book of Jude, thinking about creating a resource, thinking about working with Justin Peters and Owen Strand on a discernment resource. And I was thinking about a verse, I've used it, we've all used it, that we contend earnestly for the faith. I'm not fully persuaded of this yet, but um, I'm, I'm getting really close. You can correct me at idea at wretched.org. We contend earnestly with whom? With whom? Well, the context of the book of Judas false teachers, it's not people you go to church with. It's not people with whom you could sign a statement of faith that is fully orthodox. We don't contend with one another. We endure with one another. We put up with one another. We overlook with one another. We teach one another. We can lovingly, in a spirit of gentleness, rebuke one another. But being contentious, I say thumbs up regarding false teachers. But we're, we're fighting over stuff. I know it feels hot because it's, it's the cultural pot that we're currently simmering in. I understand that. But if you go read back, at some of the church fights that have taken place, and you'd go, you guys were fighting over that? Really? That was dumb. Well, it wasn't to them. They're real issues. I get it. But let's work through these issues without unnecessary division and send whatever you want to idea at wretched.org. Which leads me into my next question from Andrew. Todd, how can I distinguish, distinguish between primary and secondary theological issues? 
While certain doctrines like the Trinity and salvation by faith are clearly primary, I struggle to determine the status of topics like women pastors or divorce or church governments. Right. Yeah. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentials are just that. If you don't believe it rightly, you're not going to go to heaven. Now, that's that's big. That takes care of a lot of stuff. Now, what about issues uh, like women pastors? The women pastors things that we've discussed a lot around here lately is that that is a that's a submission to the authority of the Bible issue that that gets into sola scriptura territory, but it's also living in willful sin because it's so clear. I mean, it is so clear in the Bible. So that's a that's an ongoing sin issue. It is not. This hurts. It's not an essential doctrine. It's a it's a willful rebellion doctrine. It would, it would be like me saying, uh, look, I, I just believe that I should have the right to punch people in the nose. You'd go, well, no, you shouldn't be doing. Does it say that in the Bible? Well, yeah, we don't hurt people. That's there. There's the application. You don't punch him in the nose. Well, I'm going to keep on doing it. It's so clear that we don't harm one another. We love people, even our enemies. I'm just, in fact, I'm going to punch you in the nose. You go, something is horribly wrong. The issue of divorce, is that an essential issue? The answer, now this is, this is an academic answer. Academically, no, it's not. But that doesn't mean that it can't get choppy and tricky. The rule would be, no, it's not, but it could be based on circumstances. Similarly, the age of the earth. Can you say that somebody who believes in an old earth is a heretic? You can't say that because creation in and of itself, even Ken Ham would amen me on this, would say, no, it's it's not going to send you to hell. But it can have strings and it it can be about the authority of the Bible. It, It can get into doctrines that could get really sloppy, but on the face of it, no. So essential, 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 secondary, with some circumstantial exceptions. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start today in India, the land known for its spices and its sometimes less than enthusiastic approach to Christians. A Christian educator recently faced accusations of human trafficking and fraudulent conversion. He was escorting students to a Bible institute when police officers offered him a not-so-warm welcome by beating him and pressuring the students into false confessions. The teacher underwent mental and physical questioning, according to the story, but I just call that torture, although I'm not the one writing the story. Anyway, after a delay, the man was released on bail, and the students returned to their parents. As we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you continue praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. And in Arizona, where it seems like the sun never stops, public universities, however, seem to be stopping the requirement of diversity statements on job applications. Maybe a victory for the First Amendment there, but the Goldwater Institute is saying it's more about constitutionality. Others say it's about academic freedom. Either way, it looks like it's a win. Texas and Florida, they're not wanting to be left out because they've jumped on the bandwagon as well. Earlier this year, both states banned diversity statements and other DEI components. In the UK, seven police officers recently arrested a hardened criminal, a serial killer, a drug kingpin, 
No, no. It took seven police officers to arrest a 16-year-old autistic girl for making a homophobic comment. Yep, she made a comment about one of the officers' likeness to a lesbian, and the situation escalated. The girl's mother, understandably baffled, recorded the entire event, which you can find on the internet if you go searching for it. But the girl spent 20 hours in custody for making a homophobic comment. Talk about a real criminal mastermind there. Well, on the corporate front, Target's recent recruiting policies, you know, the one that led to the hiring of a Satanist, well, it cost the company a whopping $12 billion in losses. Investors are stepping in, but they're stepping in with lawsuits. Who else will face lawsuits from investors? I'm not real sure. The state of Florida is suing Anheuser-Busch because of their losses and how it affects the state's pension funds. Also, Best Buy in the news, they face quite a bit of social media backlash over a new management program, a No Whites Allowed management program. And the list of companies and woke policies continue to grow. You just wonder if they're ever going to learn that all of these controversial woke decisions are hitting them where it hurts in the bottom line. That's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is mercy. Those who possess this gift are able to show compassion and comfort the afflicted, people who are sick, dying, or bereaved. God cares about the things that afflict us and has provided comfort in troubled times. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Not that we didn't already know, but Jimmy has issues. This is Wretched Radio. What's your issue <laughs> today, Jimmy? Well, I've got a plethora. Uh, so but This particular issue is regarding my answer, uh, the role of women, pastor, elder, right, not being an essential doctrine. Right. So I'm having a hard time, I guess, um, wrapping my mind around that because uh the way you answered that you said it's a it's a um a, a willful a willful sin issue yes and so uh, an essential doctrine are the doctrines that you have to believe and subscribe to to be saved right but they're two separate things how so okay if you persist in sin you're of the devil correct right? okay you can have perfect theology but if you're living in willful, ongoing rebellion, unrepentant sin, you're of the devil. Oh. One is a belief issue. The other is a behavior issue, which indicates you are not actually in the faith. Think about church discipline. Let's say that there was a fellow in your church. He, he was going out and getting drunk every night, coming home, intimidating, loud, horrible treatment of his family. Is he in guilt of an essential doctrine by being a drunkard and a really horrible spouse and husband and father. No. But you'd kick him out of the church if he didn't repent. Correct. But that's not an essential doctrine. I understand now. So it's, it's, it's an ongoing sin thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you install a woman as a pastor and won't repent of that, that's an ongoing sin issue, but it's not an essential doctrine. So I, I, that's that's the distinction that I would make. Right now, that makes sense. Now, now just to just to clarify, because I understand that this can get a little bit complicated. Well, what about other non-essential issues like? Um, let's do creation. Let's return to creation because 
Ken Ham likes it when we do. Somebody doesn't believe that the earth is younger six 24-hour days. All right, that is not by definition an essential doctrine. But if their reasoning for it is, well, you know, not everything in the Bible is true. Hold it. Now we've got a sola scriptura issue. Now we've got a belief in the sufficiency, inerrancy, infallibility of the Bible issue. Now you're getting into essential territory. Well, I just don't. I mean, come on, speaking the whole universe. I mean, kind of crazy sounding. I mean, I mean, I think God could evolve it, but cre- okay, hold on. Now you're getting into theology proper territory that you do not believe that God is omnipotent and he is capable of speaking everything to existence. He could have done it in six nanoseconds if he chose to. So it, on paper, it's not essential, but it can become that because of what drives it or how one views the Bible. Is that hopefully helpful? Yeah. No, that makes sense bit. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Clear as mud. Idea at wretched.org. <laughs> All right. This one is from Shannon. Todd, how can our daughter navigate a situation where her boyfriend has become disrespectful and rude toward us, her mm. parents, after she decided to slow down a little bit in their relationship while she still loves him, she still wants to honor us as her parents. Mm-hmm. So how does she navigate that situation? Well, I can't tell you exactly what what course to chart, but I would say this. You've, you've seen something. That's a blessing because normally you don't get to see that until you get married. You're getting to see it now that this young man is willing to dishonor your parents. If you think that that is going to stop when you say I do, it will not. Nor will pornography, nor will infidelity nor will drug use, those, those things that you discover before marriage, they need to be addressed and they need to be dealt with. Does this mean that this young man is disqualified? Not necessarily. Might mean it, but not necessarily. Family dynamics are big. There's a lot of theology behind it. I encourage you to read Wayne Mack's in-laws book that's very, very helpful in helping the spouse understand how we're to view the in-laws, it should be to honor them as much as your spouse honors their own bio parents. That's, that's the covenant that you're entering into. And if you have a young man who's willing to dishonor your parents, you are seeing something. And I would go digging into that. It doesn't mean that you have to say bye-bye forever, but it should be addressed and it should be confronted because if there isn't repentance in that regard, now you're really seeing something that would scream, slow your roll. Idea at wretched.org. I would also say that uh, on the other side of that, if you're dating someone who's willing to dishonor their own parents, that's a red flag too. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a lot. One of the best things that you can do is go spend time in the home of your spouse. And incidentally, Let's just say you're dating somebody and they're like, I don't really like going over to your folks' house. You know, all your siblings and all that stuff. You know, uh-oh. You got, it's, it's revealing something. It's probably revealing a lack of understanding. That's to be certain as to what you're getting into in a covenantal relationship called marriage. But it could also be revealing um, if, if that person digs you going to dig the family, even if they happen to be agitating, whatever the issue happens to be. Second, go to their house. Watch how they interact with their family. Do that. When the dinner is done, 
do they get up and help clear the table? Well, if they don't do it with mom and dad, they're not going to do it with you. If they don't help in the preparation, consideration, help with the cleanup, that's okay. You're seeing stuff. Other way they treat that little booger, they're treating their siblings that way. Guess what they're going to treat that way? Your children. Go spend time in their family. Watch the way your potential spouse behaves. It is an almost certain manifestation, revelation of the way that they will behave in your home. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this next one is from Jason. Todd, uh, if God is three persons, one being, can I pray to any of the three? Yep. Can I thank Jesus Christ for saving me, or yep. do I thank God the Father? Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. 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 One. Here's the pattern that we see. Pray to the Father through Jesus the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the pattern, but that's not a law. So can you ask the Holy Spirit to help you resist temptation? Absolutely. Can you thank the Son for, have you ever done this? All right. I'm not saying this is good, but I don't think that God gets confused by this. Have you ever been praying? And let's say, Lord, Lord Jesus, your patience and your goodness toward me, staggering. So thank you, Father, for forgiveness of sins. And you just jumped persons of the... Now, look, it's not great. It could be a little bit sloppy, but I don't think that the Trinitarian Godhead is going, wait a second, who's he Who's he talking to here? What? Because they're one. Three persons, one God. So your prayers do have that one destination, no matter which person of the Trinity you are praying to. There would only be one little, one little potential caveat that I would attach to that. And that is the amount of focus and praying to the Holy Spirit, not because he's not fully God, but because his role is to point you to Jesus. That, that's, that's what he does. So just keep that in mind, which is why so many times when these, these Holy Spirit ministries, it's all about the Holy Spirit, it's all about the Holy Spirit, and it's very little about Jesus. They don't know the first thing about the Holy Spirit because what he wants to do is participate in his divine program, which is bringing glory to the Father through Jesus, the Son. So pray with those things in mind, and don't feel bad if you if you jump person to person. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this next question is from Paige. Uh, Todd, is once saved, always saved biblical, or can we backslide and be resaved? No, you can't do that. You can't be dead, come to life, die again, be brought... You can, to die spiritually, you'd have to kill yourself. And God promises that ain't going to happen. Please read Romans 8, get into 27, 28, that God has got you. Romans uh, 38, uh, 8, 38, and 39, nothing can separate. Consider Jesus' words, all that the Father gives to me, they're mine. Nobody can snatch them from my hand. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you, your sin, your in-laws, nobody can erase it. You get saved and God keeps you. It's all over the, just consider, we think the gift of salvation, we call it that rightly so because it is a gift. Can you imagine God giving you the gift of salvation, bringing you into union with him and then going, you know, I think I want my gift back. 
out you go. Does that sound like the character of God? I do know that there are some verses that give rise to confusion or that appear to contradict. So what do you do with those? You practice the analogy of Scripture, like we do in Herman Who, which is currently on sale Mm -hmm. in the Read Your Bible Better bundle or something like that (laughs) at wretched.org. Because the analogy of Scripture helps you to weigh the Scriptures that appear to talk about the same object from a different perspective. Do you have some verses that suggest, hint, appear to say that you can lose your faith? Yes, there are. Like Hebrews 6, for instance. We've got a, a, a YouTube video on that where we tackled that. You got those. But then on the other side, boom! It's it's like a 10-ton weight of verses. No, no, you can't lose your salvation any more than you could gain it. This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. And I want to take just a moment to celebrate our amazing gospel partners. You know who you are, standing firm with us like a well-rooted tree, helping us to reach millions all over the world. We know we're not Hollywood around here, but I'm pretty sure you would probably prefer the compelling, efficient, and sound productions we produce to Hollywood. Because, hey, you know, we don't blow your generous gifts on fancy jets or expensive wardrobes or anything like that. No, 83% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry. We're ECFA approved, which means it's a verifiable fact you can check for yourself. We're so accountable we could teach a masterclass on it. Listen, gospel partners, Thank you for keeping the lights on and helping us to spread the amazing gospel to millions all over the world. And if you're not a gospel partner yet, well, why not join the coolest club in the camp? Just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe. But now they've expanded to Africa, and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two. Would you like to become a Tomorrow Club's ministry partner? 
Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Lexicon. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. Words like perspicuity, the clarity of Scripture. God uses the text of Scripture to clearly communicate His character and will. God has not hidden His will for only the enlightened few to find. His truth can be clearly understood by anyone who reads His Word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Talk to us. This is Wretched Radio, U.S. Shoe. And all of God's people said, Gesundheit, U.S. Shoe. Sending questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to ID at wretched.org. Fine. Then call Beep Talk, 1-877-282-Beep. What? I just wanted to say something. I was like smooth as butter there. I know, I know. But uh, you remember a couple of weeks ago you asked the question if our listeners could uh, text Beep Talk. Ooh. We're working on it. Yes. I heard yesterday that it is doable and uh, we'll be able to announce. Oh, that is. Yeah. Dude. You're going to be overwhelmed. I know it. How, this isn't a sin issue. It's just a cultural issue. It's amazing how our attitude has evolved about telephones. It used to be like, you've got a phone. You can talk to people over the wireless. Amazing. All right. That's where it started. And then even not that long ago, before the invention of cell phones, family of scattered throughout the house. The phone rings connected to the wall with a tangled cord. The phone rings. And what did you hear? I got it. I got it. No, I got it. I'm waiting. I got it. Now your phone rings. Oh, just text me. <laughs> <laughs> so get ready for some texts. one 282 At what point would you say evil entered the universe? I was wondering if it might have been when Satan decided to rebel against God. That's a, that's a, you know, that's a fun question to kind of work through as long as you don't get goofy in any regard. When exactly did it happen? Well, first of all, the angel and human sin, different things. So yeah, the rebellion in heaven started there. Here's a question for you. When did that happen? When, when, how long did it take for the angels to rebel? Uh, I, I think the answer probably is not long at all. Remember, they're created beings, so they didn't always exist. It's not like they had billions and billions of years to wage a war where a third of the angels were cast out. No, it happened after the creation. Now, according to the definitive source on all things Genesis, which, of course, would be Ken Ham, that the fall of Adam and Eve within a week or two so the rebellion of the angels had to happen almost lickety split. Then he, as an evil angel, tempted Adam and Eve. Now you get into, well, when exactly did that start? Did it start when Eve didn't submit to her husband as leader? And Adam, wait, no, Adam introduced sin because he wasn't leading and protecting when she was talking to the devil. Or was it when... She took the nosh of the fruit. No, was it when he? And the answer is, we don't know. 
<laughs> the exact second that that happened. But that definitely was the time. The answer to that question, of course, it's found in Genesis. And if you haven't been to the Creation Museum or to the Ark Encounter, oh, man, I'm telling you. one 282 Hey, Todd, in regards to the Christian nationalism issue, all system of government and law is based on a standard of justice. So if we're not going to use Christianity, the Bible, Christian God as the standard of justice and righteousness, which is what government is supposed to execute, what standard should they follow then, if not the Christian God in the Bible? That's a powerful rhetorical question. That really is. And, and, and that has been getting a lot of mileage. Might I try to answer that by bringing your reasoning into a different realm. Here's the reasoning. I've heard it. The government's going to behave. It's going to be led by something religious. You know, whether it's a disbelief in God, it's still a belief system. Wouldn't you prefer it's Christianity? And the answer to that is yes, but that doesn't mean a should is an ought. Now, let me just for fun, take that reasoning into an Islamic mosque. Uh, Mr. Imam, you're supposed to be uh, running this organization underneath biblical principles, and we're going to mandate that you do that. You would say, well, that doesn't sound exactly right. It's not a perfect analogous illustration, but I think it, I think it reveals the point. Why aren't we trying to impose the Bible everywhere on people? I'm just talking about from a practical. I'm not even getting into the theological. I'm just talking about practical. Well, why, why aren't Christians rising up and, and going to Moscow, Russia to tell Putin that the way that he's doing this is all wrong and he needs to get under the authority of Jesus Christ and we're going to tell him exactly what that looks like? Or in Pakistan, or in China, or in North Korea. That's practical. We still, so cert, but I think the, the, the more... Helpful, and I would say powerful answer to your question is, what does the Bible say? And I would ask you this. I know that by using some clever logic, I know that by using some principles of the Bible, you can get to the church. What, I, I don't want to be unfair with my word. I was going to say dictating how the state should run. I, I, I don't want to be like inflammatory. Uh, that somehow the biblical values must be imposed by the state and the church is going to see to it, Christians will see to it that we do it. Because if otherwise, well, then what are they going to use? Mein Kampf? Okay, powerful. But what does the Bible say? Do we have a clear verse that says the church should be papal, somehow involved or even telling the state how to wield the sword, telling the state how to run based on biblical principles. Can you find, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to say from the New Testament, can you find a verse that says that explicitly? Now you could say, well, didn't Jesus say thy kingdom come? Exactly. But how does his kingdom come? Is it by people who hate him behaving better because this sort of the government is mandating it? Is that is that how he's building his kingdom? Or is it a spiritual kingdom? So I understand you could find, for instance, the Lord's prayer and say, thy kingdom come. And that his kingdoms include government and Hollywood and all of the seven mountains of dominion. 
I agree. But he is, by the way, he is reigning in all of those realms. Even if Christians aren't in anyone, if there isn't a single Christian in Hollywood right now, and of course we know there is, Kirk Cameron, if there isn't a single Christian in all of Hollywood, he's still ruling Hollywood. He's still reigning in Washington, D.C. You've got wicked, evil leaders. He's still in control. That's, to me, the high view of sovereignty, that even when they don't look biblical, God is still ordering everything. To the contrary, what I would say is that you do find lots of verses that say very clearly that there is a separation between church and state. And that you can't find an explicit verse that says that the church is supposed to somehow be correcting and informing the government. And there's so many iterations of this. It's I'd have to do about 20 minutes of different versions of this. But you just don't see that. To the contrary, what do you see? You see the commands for the Christian to live peaceably, quietly, submissively. In all realms of life, employment, home, government, First Peter makes that clear. So here's how I see it. I know that there's some powerful rhetoric that, okay, for instance, for instance, I've heard people make what is, can be a persuasive argument for stoning. I, I've, I've heard it. And it's not, it, 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 it's, it's, not, it's not an impotent argument. It's actually like, you know, that kind of makes sense. But does that mean we should do that? So, for instance, I've heard people say that stoning, it's the accuser that has to throw the first stone. That will keep false accusations down. Furthermore, it's the collective of the community that states the entire civilization stands opposed to you because we're going to guard this. Furthermore, everybody throws their rocks. We don't know the individual who was responsible for the death blow. And so it, it keeps somebody from feeling guilty that they were involved in an execution that directly. Okay, but does that mean that we should be telling the government to implement stoning? How do you get there? Where does the Bible tell us explicitly how to behave? And I don't think that Christian nationalism, general term, I'm thinking of the, of the folks that are on the, on the right side of this, the far right side of this, not left or middle of this, that you just don't have the biblical support. You don't have the clear support for that. You've got very clever rhetoric. You've got things that sound logical. Okay, if this is true, see, if this is true, then that would mean this is true, which means that's true, which means, boom, the church should be controlling the state. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's clever. I see how you did that. But is that informed by explicit verses in the Bible? Because I see a weighing of this. I get it. Thy kingdom come. I see the mandate to humans for subduing the earth. I, I see it. But those aren't explicit. They're at best implicit. I do see, on the other hand, so many explicit verses, including Romans 13, 1 through 7, including 1 Peter 2, the whole ship, or 1 Peter, the entire book, and Titus chapter 3. So, sir, rather than using clever rhetoric, let's make this debate over Scripture. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.